This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Sterling Liddell, Senior Vice President, Food and Agribusiness Research and Advisory, Rambabank International, Rambo AgriFinance. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Robobank Sterling Liddell next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm income plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Record net farm income has literally been cut in half with the cyclical downswing in bulk commodity prices over the past three seasons. Sterling Liddell with Rabobank International, Rabo AgriFinance, says the pendulum upswing began with a major market paradigm shift a decade ago that now has swung rapidly lower. This is related to what we argue was a shift in the demand to supply equation, and that happened in about 2006. When that happened, prices increased. We saw more liquidity coming into the markets. Uh, there was a lot of liquidity flowing into agriculture, and, and it really lifted the structural price of the commodity, which stimulated a lot of acres coming in and, and producing. And then we had immediately three years of low production, which became somewhat, we might even call it fool's gold, that this agricultural economy was just going to be very profitable going on into the future, when in reality we were building up a scenario where we were going to overproduce this market, drive prices down, and unfortunately down below the cost of break-even. So that's where we are now, where prices have dropped below that price of break-even for about three years, and that's dried up a lot of liquidity. Now, can agriculture get out of this on its own? It's, it's an interesting question because the elasticity of production has changed as well. We're not seeing the acres contract out of commodity production. They're staying in, and the capacity to overproduce this market remains while the cost of production is coming down very slowly. One of the reasons for that, uh, just from my analysis, is the change in the CRP program because the CRP program used to take the cost of moving acres out of production away. Now... The cost of taking acres out of production uh, doesn't have any offset. It remains high, and you get acres sticking in longer than they probably should relative to the price of that commodity. So that's one of the issues that that, uh, we see going forward is how do we make these acres a little more elastic and take some of the pain away from moving them out of production into something else. Still staying on the surface, the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, said this past week, that it will be the performance of the farm economy through the fall and the winter that will determine whether Congress will need to step in with assistance or perhaps even move in to writing a new farm bill early. 
how would we evaluate the performance of the farm economy to know whether it's time to call on Washington to step up? We need to be very cautious at looking at things that we've looked at in the past as evaluating the farm economy. Often in the past we've looked at debt-to-asset ratios and and, and different um, types of balance sheet ratios and said, well, the farm economy looks great, the debt-to-asset ratio is in good shape. What we really need to start looking at is the is the ability to cover the debt that farm that farms have accrued. In other words, can they generate liquidity from production activities to cover the interest payments that they have to make and be able to then secure financing going into the next year? If we don't do that, there are a lot of farmers that will find come spring that they actually are running up against tighter credit standards that are more averse to risk and not able to finance uh, their crop. So to answer your question, we need to monitor uh, what's happening at that uh, income generation level and determine whether or not farmers are able to go into this next year and actually finance. I could see a point of double jeopardy with a producer who has a farm loan for this crop that's being harvested now and at the same time trying to make plans for 2017. If debt service is an issue on this year's crop, could certainly affect their outlook for the coming season. And in fact, debt service has accumulatively become more of an issue over the last three years. It has happened as you didn't make money one year, so you kind of cover it with capital and, and it costs of production don't come down, so you burn through more of your working capital. And finally, you're in a position where if you're going to move forward, you're trying to figure out other ways of generating the income. Servicing that debt is, has been everything from taking loans from vendors and then at the end of the year rolling that into a credit line, which just accumulates and rolls that debt up as you go forward then you're forced to look at utilizing your your assets to secure next year's loans, which really starts to put us in a very, I would say, even an ominous type of position going forward where we could say, is there a farm crisis right now? Well, we're, we're, we're nervous that there could be, but if things don't go perfectly in the next couple of years, then there's quite a few farmers that might find out that they, they're actually finished, that they can't make it beyond that. Have you seen an increase in figures of producers who are having issues with servicing debt, either through your bank or through the industry? There there are a lot of signals out in the industry that uh, there's challenges financing debt. Uh, We see a lot more special asset managers being hired in regions of the country. Um, those Those are managers that manage loans that are in jeopardy. Um, we're also clearly seeing a lot of farmers looking for capital and, and trying to find the right way of financing. Um, it's from our own analysis, we, we see very challenging credit conditions across big parts of the row crop uh, area. Um, and, and so the answer is, yes, we are seeing those signs. Uh, there's some disagreement as to how deep we are into what we would call a farm crisis, which uh, is probably a little bit strong of a term right now. But uh, certainly we are on the edge of liquidity and we are facing some, some challenging conditions going forward into this next 
couple of years. I want to offer some information from Gary Schnitke at the University of Illinois. He said profit margins for Illinois producers between 1996 and 2006 average 1.76. We had a peak of 2.87 in 2012, and last year was back down to 2.05. So clearly we have seen uh, a curve there of an upswing and then a downturn. Schnitke also suggested that at the end of this year, most of the working capital reserves that were built between 07 and 013 will be gone. That's a very, uh, it's very consistent with what we're seeing, uh, where we've, we've worked through that liquidity and, and now are in the position where you've got to find other methods of, of financing. Schnitke said if commodity prices stay low for 2017, then producers would have to find a means other than reducing working capital to maintain cash flow on the farm. And what does that mean when we find other forms of working capital? Effectively, that means that we have to take, uh, we have to secure against uh, equity that we may have built up over the last few years. And then if we don't get better prices and get back to a break even in 2017, it becomes a uh, survival of the fittest or whoever has the most equity uh, is able to finance and get through this period while others are contracted out. And that's the situation that we find ourselves is that kind of squeezing and, and trying to contract. I note some information that has come through documents provided by Rabobank in suggesting that part of the issue here is that we are now seeing low commodity prices and steady input costs. If we look at where we are now from a commodity price perspective, I would make the case that prices are where they should be relative to supply and demand, commodity prices. If we carry over 2.3 plus billion bushels of corn into 2017, we shouldn't expect prices to be much better than $3.3 per bushel up to about 3.4, 3.5. That's just that's where we would expect prices to be given the supply and demand equation. The problem is, as prices exploded and drove high in 2012, 2013, input costs also came up, and they're very reluctant to come down. It's, it's the old scenario of fewer vendors and more buyers, where the, the vendors have more market power and will want to come down much slower than the, the commodity price may have caused. And this is different than other challenges we've had in the past. This time around, there's a lot more land that's being farmed that's actually leased. And when we're leasing land, it just becomes a pure cost on the income statement instead of also an offsetting factor on the balance sheet. That land value cost has not come down as much as the commodity prices come down. And that's one of the critical factors. If land values can be brought down to where you can maintain more of a break-even, then it will probably be very good for farmers. If it doesn't come down that far and it very slowly comes down, which has been the propensity of this market, then it will cause further challenges in the future, not just for the farmers but also for the landowners. I notice a document from Rabobank suggesting a major paradigm shift in agriculture from a volume-driven agriculture to an efficiency-driven agriculture. When you're in a position when you have to start applying very scarce resources like the remaining working capital that you have or the long-term health of your business 
through the assets that you gain some equity, you need to apply those very efficiently. You need that means if you've got land that's not producing a profit and can't produce a profit, you need to consider whether or not you're actually going to invest in putting a crop on that land or whether it's better to just back away from it and getting that asset turnover that's more efficient. The other thing that it means is farmers need to become more adept at how they market. One of the terms that we've come up with is marketing by design instead of by accident. I could hear analysts and others look at this industry and say you're at nothing more than another point where there is a cyclical paradigm shift in the business and it will be up to producers to adapt, either change or die. And in this situation, do we leave it alone? Or is the safety net adequate for those managers, for those producers who are in the business today, to come through this cycle on their own? Either way, we're going to be farming at the end of this cycle. Either way, we're going to farm the best land that's that's out there. Uh, the land in the United States is the best production land in the world. Uh, and we can produce a better, stronger crop than anywhere else in the world. And that's that's just a fact. And so the land is going to be farmed. The question is, how do we get through it? And how much pain do we want to see before we come out the other side? If we leave it to the markets to force acres out of production, as opposed to a, a program like CRP, which will actually make those acres more elastic and helping to, to offset that cost of bringing them out of production, in that scenario, it's much more painful to let the market deal with it than it is to to develop another uh, program to help. And one of the things I hear a lot is, well, we're paying people not to farm. That's not exactly true. What we're doing is allowing the cost of leaving the market to remain lower which or to, to offset that, which allows people to stay in farming business while still being able to move land out. And that's very important geographically. Um, and that's really where I think the, the national pressure will come from. So it's a challenging question to answer because either way we're going to be farming this land. It's just who do you want to farm it, how many farmers do you want, and eventually how big do you want those farms to be. What about the value of land through this period of time? Because land is the equity of so many loans that are tied to the industry. And that's a very critical piece of this. The value of land is tied to many loans, and, and it needs to be considered as sort of a moving target. It's not going to maintain the same value throughout the, the life of the loan and, and needs to be continually updated. As rental values come down, the value of land has to come down as well. That's the nature of agricultural land. It's a producing resource itself, and it needs to adjust to its capability of producing a profit. That's very reflected in the lease value of the land. That comes down, agricultural land needs to come down. Different in different parts of the country because you didn't have the same run-up in prices in, say, the east, uh, the east, southeast area as you did the Midwest. And you, there, there wasn't even the same run-up in prices for land and um, rents in the, the northern plains as there was in the Midwest. 
so it will all come down or needs to come down, but as to how much it will come down is is kind of a question. If commodity prices stay low, corn three fifty into two thousand seventeen and into eighteen, what is a possible or a probable measure for land values? Again, this is this is a difficult question. It's it's somewhere on uh, the scale of where you where you live and and what the the costs are right now. Um, that has to be evaluated. Let's just pick out a region. Let's talk about the, the central Midwest, so right in the Corn Belt, because that's really where this land, this land value explosion happened. The expectation there is that uh, land values have to come off by somewhere around $50 per acre. That currently they're running at about $300 per acre on rent, so they'd have to come off by about $50 per acre. And then land values would also have to decline, and that means another uh, probably eight to ten percent decline in land values in those re- in that region itself. Is there a bubble? Uh, at this point, uh, there does not appear to be a bubble because a bubble, in in at least the definition that I use, is when we finance uh, something at a greater value than it actually is. Over time, lending institutions have been cautious about requiring 40 to 60% equity down and offsetting some of that potential decrease in land values. So at this point, there's not a clear bubble. If we continue to finance land at higher values or we refinanced too much land at higher values and, and secured against that land, and then we see another couple of years of very dismal prices, then we could start to see some sort of a bubble developing, and it needs to be monitored very closely. In your opinion, is the 2014 Farm Bill safety net for bulk commodities adequate to bring us through this cyclical turn? The, the 2014 Farm Bill was written during a period of time when agricultural commodities were very high valued and margins had been good for several years. It was designed to create some shallow protection in some places and price level protection in others. At this point, because of the way it was structured, most, at least corn, soybeans, and a lot of wheat farmers chose the shallow loss protection, which was really front-end loaded. You're going to get paid in the front end of that program. You had to select it for the whole period of time. And so now that we're two years into it, the payments are falling off dramatically, if any, and, and unfortunately right at the same time that all of this is coming together. So there is some challenge uh, for the current farm bill and, and whether or not it will be a safety net for farmers going into the next couple of years. Then what might be necessary for this Congress to address either in 17 or in rewriting of new policy to help bring the industry through this cyclical swing? There's a lot of things to consider. One of the things I've probably mentioned a couple of times is the CIP program. Is there a role for that to play? Uh, the, some of the others, is there some way to, uh, of um, allowing variable or, or periodic changes in the program that you're involved with, whether it's ARC or PLC? You know, those are a couple that kind of pop to mind really quickly. Um, crop insurance remains very important. 
across this period of time. Um, and, and then the next thing is really a discussion because some of the programs uh, on the cotton side did not work well at all. Uh, we need to go and evaluate where we are there and how we'll work through that. But those are just a, just a few, you know, very broad uh, topics that we can look at. The reality is uh, we need to have a very thorough discussion, and and sooner we start discussing this, the better. Well, Sterling Liddell, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you get the last word. The, the thing that I would say that is very critical right now is, is the support structure that we have in farming. We can make it through this if we make the right decisions and farmers are looking to make the right decisions. But there's been a real lack of funding for the extension agencies, uh, they're not nearly what they used to be, and, and the ability to actually do outreach and cover some of the areas that we may end up having to cover is, if this worsens. And, and so that's one thing that, that's a very serious concern because now if, if a farmer has the ability to sit down with a good consultant and sit down in this room and have the banker in the room and have the marketer in the room, whoever it is, if it's them or if it's someone they hire outside, and make some strategies of what do I want to look like in five years? How am I going to make it through this five years? How do I apply the resources that I have right now through this five years and make some very strong uh, strategies with these uh, each of these entities in the room and have a good consultant. A lot of times that's been the extension service. There's a good chance for survival, at least in my opinion. And so that's one area that I would also push a, a little bit is with that funding of the extension and the outreach. Our thanks to Rabobank Sterling Liddell, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.